Oh, hello. Yeah, it's good. Thank you for your patience. I appreciate all of you being here this evening. Uh, first sitting, first Tuesday night group of the of the year. And although I want to, there are many little things that I want to speak about. One of them is the um, the beauty and power of of community in sangha. And I got this. Um, I got the inspiration to speak of that for two reasons. One, I came across this story that probably many of you came across about a whale. And you'll get the connection once I speak about it a little bit. But before I talk about the whale, I want to uh, bring a thought from the Hindu tradition where there is the the ritual of what's called satsang. The ritual of satsang is sat is the word in Sanskrit for truth and sang is the is the same as our Pali word for sangha or community. So it's the community uh, that meets for the purpose of awakening to truth of just opening to how life actually is, not how we uh, fantasize how it could be, should be, would be, but how it is. And the, the uh, liberating impact of, of opening to life as it is and how what, how what keeps us bound so much is our contentiousness with the way things are, is not being in harmony with life as it is. But satsang is a particular gathering where people commit themselves to bringing whatever it is that is true uh, into consciousness in the company of other people. And it's understood, at least the, the view is about satsang, is that whatever you bring to satsang, whatever you bring to the gathering, uh, a community that's devoted to opening to what's true, both within and without, whatever you bring to satsang will be liberated. And that liberation, that freedom that one will, um, that one feels as an effect of being in that company, both the immediate felt sense of letting go of, of some of what uh, we're preoccupied with just letting it be absorbed in the in the sense of community, and also deeper issues that each of us carries when we bring it to a gathering like this. You bring yourself wholeheartedly. All of our psychic life, you could say, begins to unravel, unbind. So that's the promise of satsang, and I do feel that. The effect of me being here for now, this is the complete, I'm just completing my 27th year of every Tuesday, except for the ones that I miss, of course. But 
I know that that gathering, not just because I've been in this seat taking this role, but just the gathering and the sharing with, with others for the purpose that we come together for, that is to see things the way they are. That's what the definition of vipassana is, seeing things clearly, seeing things as they are. I have a, a very strong confidence that for myself and for uh, anyone who has given themselves over to uh, satsang or sangha for these years, there is a loosening of the heart. There is a, a, a liberating process that, that occurs. What inspired me to speak of sangha tonight, besides my great appreciation for you and, and for, um, for sangha in general, was this story that I read from the internet about the whale. A female humpback whale had become entangled in a spider web of crab traps and lines. She was weighed down by hundreds of pounds of traps that caused her to struggle to stay afloat. She also had hundreds of yards of line rope wrapped around her body, her tail, her torso, a line tugging in her mouth. A fisherman spotted her just east of the Farallon Islands, outside the the Golden Gate Bridge, and radioed for help. Within a few hours, the rescue team arrived and determined that she was so bad off, the only way to save her was to dive in and untangle her. A very dangerous proposition. One slap of the tail could kill a rescuer. They worked for hours and with curved knives and eventually freed her. When she was free, the divers say she swam in what seemed like joyous circles. She then came back to each and every diver, one at a time, nudged them, and pushed gently, thanking them. Some said it was the most incredibly beautiful experience of their lives. The guy who cut the rope out of her mouth says her eye was following him the whole time and he will never be the same. May you, this is the prayer that was at the end of this, may you and all those you love be so fortunate to be surrounded by people who will help you get untangled from the things that bind you. And may you always know the joy of giving and receiving gratitude. So... I have gratitude for Sangha and uh, the, um, the freedom that you, what you have offered to help unbind what binds me. And hopefully you uh, partake of that opportunity for yourselves. Continue to as the new year begins. I also want to acknowledge those of you who may have just completed your... 100-day retreat that was planned to end on January 1st. I don't want to... You're free if you feel to to raise your hand if you were one of those people. But uh, that could be a little awkward. (laughs) Anyway, I appreciate your practice and all beings... Uh, whether they know it or not, or have, have been cheering you on and will benefit by your 100 days of practice. I'd also like to propose, since this is January 1st, it's a, uh, or January 3rd, uh, it is a good, uh, good way to start the year to commit to not stopping the 100 days, to have just perpetual 
practice. Perpetual natural presence. Perpetual uh, connection to your senses. Have your senses wide open. Have your heart inclined toward kindness. That was actually what I wanted to talk about. Just what a wonderful opportunity that we have, given that we have, that our present moments are so creative. There is so much potential for every single moment that we are alive. Of course, we also, in our present moments, we experience the fruits of what we have practiced before and what has all the causes and conditions that brought us to be uh, the way we are right now in the situations we're in and uh, and just who we are. That all that uh, is not by accident. It's it's because of the fruits of, of what has come before. And a lot of what has come before has come before, has been set in motion by completely non-personal means. We did not ask to have parents that may not have been so responsive and loving or teachers who thought in very black and white ways or in, in friends and other, others who were near us who didn't see our intrinsic light, our beauty and saw us through the measurements of, of uh, of things that are rather shallow and meaningless. All those things may have happened to, probably happened to all of us. May not have been seen, validated, heard. Uh, may not have had certain opportunities. So many conditions out completely out of our control. And then there are those that we have, uh, fruits that we have um, sown on our own, what seems like on our own, based on our own individual choices, actions of body, of speech, of mind. And we inevitably experience the fruit of whatever it is that we have practiced. If we have practiced being kind, we experience the fruits of that. If we practice being hard on others or on ourselves, we experience the fruits of that. And even though we, those actions of body and speech and mind, those are also really born of things that we've learned from others. So nothing is really ultimately personal, completely personal. But nevertheless, we do manifest as relative individuals and we have this capacity as human beings to train our hearts and minds, to incline toward uh, things that would more likely lead to a greater sense of well-being, a greater capacity to meet the joys and the sorrows of our life uh, with, with more balance. We have the capacity to orient our lives to reality as opposed to fantasy, to our lives oriented toward the living present rather than the imagined past and future which don't really exist anyway. We have this capacity, and it really depends on what, on how we incline our hearts and minds. What is the inclination? So one of the beautiful things about the new year, even though the new year, as we all know, is a concept. 
I close my eyes, I don't know what year it is. I don't know what day it is. I don't know what gender I am. I just know that I'm awake and present. And that's all we ever really know, ultimately. But this relative, this use of relative time, the fact that we just ended one year and we're just starting a new one, it, these kinds of demarcations, even though they're conceptual, they're very useful. Really, really useful. Useful to reflect. Of course, it's useful anytime to reflect on what's happened before and reflect on what we would like to see happen in the future and start, if we are able to, if we're so inclined, if we have some confidence that whatever seeds we plant, we produce some result. Do all of you have the sense that, if you, that when you plant seeds that there's some, usually some result to seeds that you plant? How many of you have... Well, maybe I shouldn't put it this way. It's very easy to become cynical because sometimes our practice, we can be great, very serious meditators, and of course that can be a problem, just being overly serious. But we can meditate every day and our life can still look really messy. And we can start to think, oh, it doesn't work, or it doesn't work for me. Everybody else is getting enlightened with their practice, but mine still, I'm still have, I still have monkey mind. And I shouldn't, and I'm still so egotistical, and, and my mind shouldn't look that way. So we can start to get a little bit uh, pessimistic or cynical about practice and, and really not give ourselves wholeheartedly. Why do you think those New Year's resolutions last only a week? I'm curious, anybody willing to say what they think? What is it with New Year's resolutions? Well, I think the, one of the biggest issues, since I'm not hearing from any of you yet, <laughs> is that they don't, um, they're, they're just reflections. And they often don't translate into, into uh, real action. Please. We're not ready to do or we'd already be doing them, Linda says. Any other views about this? Please. Old habits. Hard, hard to break habits, exactly. Yes, that's true. But how do we break? Please. can't hear you very well, but I think you said something to, about the discrepancy between where we'd like to be and where we are. Who you are and who you'd like to be. Oh, I see. The resolution is often to be different than the way you are rather than, than uh, more who you are. Yeah. The, meditative resolution would be much more to be more who you are not forget yourself please
So the view that you can put it off to tomorrow because you've got the whole year to do it. <laughs> That's a really good one. <laughs> Please. You know, I think you're going to have to speak louder. We're, I think we'll have to have a second mic or... Uh, yeah, taking too big a step at once rather than smaller steps. Kirti, please. Sometimes our resolutions don't hold space for the process. Well, that's where, that's where meditation comes in. It really is... It's a work in progress. It's a work in process. And it accommodates, meditation accommodates the fact that some days we will experience the full fruits of our practice. Other days it will feel like nothing's happening. It's really like so many things in life. One of the things I was struck by when I when I, uh, I, this seems like a strange thing to bring in right here, but when I, when my father passed away, I knew that I was entering into a process, a grief process. And we all, any, all of us here will or have had loss, and there's a process. And in my mind, the grief process was going to be this, uh, this fairly constant. Uh, devolving of my emotional body and into uh, retching cries that would last uh, generally for a few years. <laughs> I, know, I shouldn't laugh about this. But, but anyway, what it turned out to be is some days it was just like I had imagined it to be. And other days it was as though nothing happened. And it really broke the spell that that our um, uh, that the process of whatever it is that we're developing, or the process of how anything is going to be, is a, is a straight line, or is, is just one way. It's always changing. But one thing is for sure: that if you plant the seed of kindness it will ripple in ways that you cannot even imagine. It is totally the basis for being able to connect. It's the basis for compassion. It's the basis for joy. It is the basis for accepting life the way it is, of equanimity. And if I was going to plant one seed knowing that there will be lots of ups and downs, some days it will, there will be not any kindness in my heart. Some days I only see the world as wrong, and everyone in it as wrong. But if I keep planting that seed, if I make that my resolution to, first and foremost, to speak kindly, and secondly, to speak, kind, speak kindly to myself. Because we often think of speech as mostly outer speech. But our inner speech is really where we're most tormented. Do you agree? To commit 
to inner speech of kindness. Not always feeling kind. Not always feeling this schmaltzy, warm, fuzzy feeling. But the commitment to move in the direction of kindness. I think is, I I would like that to be uh, the theme for anyone who would be willing to at least spend the next hundred days and perhaps the whole year with just developing kindness. You can forget your meditation practice if you're practicing kindness. In fact, you could do a, commit to a year of no meditation, but please practice kindness. You know, I think that would be maybe one of the greatest one of the greatest causes of meditation is to see what it would be like for you not to meditate for a year. <laughs> no, I'm just... <laughs> no, except on Tuesday nights. <laughs> I'm pr- it's probably how most of you... Li- most of you probably limit your meditation to Tuesday nights anyway. I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> not true. But kindness... The way the Buddha spoke about it is the uh, is the kindness and the more expanded version of metta or loving kindness or friendliness is the um, is one of the uh, one of the divine abodes one of the the immeasurable qualities that is in, innate in each of our hearts. There is not one person here, no matter how angry you are, no matter how frustrated. No matter how depressed, there's not one person here that, uh, if encouraged, if with encouraged with the uh, the light of intention, would not blossom as uh, the innately kind person that you are. It's really our human. It's our birthright. It's why the Buddha called it uh, Brahma Vihara. Heavenly abode, uh, a immeasurable quality that is intrinsic in awakened in awakened consciousness. If that seed is planted, with all its ups and downs, when that kindness, when that friendliness meets pain, it's then that that pain is experienced as. Um, as compassion. It flows from kindness. And when that kindness, that open-heartedness, that friendliness meets good fortune, meets others who are in a state of happiness and joy, when there is kindness in the heart, that, that meeting produces a response of Altruism of sympathetic joy rather than envy, jealousy, greed, all of it born of kindness. And that, that warmth, that softness, that tenderness of heart that comes through kindness, kind speech, kind action, kind feeling in the heart when it's, when it's there, that also develops the foundation for acceptance. The quality of equanimity that 
sometimes described as grandmotherly love that knows that there's a limit to how much I can affect how things are in life, but I can keep my heart open and accept things as they are. All of that, for everything that we have to deal with, kindness is just a great support. So I'm sharing with you my particular uh, resolution for the year. Kind speech. I know that um, toward the end of the year I was getting a little grumpy. And I'd, I could feel I was a little grumpy with my wife, with, a little impatient with my daughter. Lots of... I just was not as... And I needed a break, which is true of everyone from time to time. But it, the good news is it became the whatever that feeling that I was having and the, whatever grumbling was going on in my mind, it became the cause of me wanting to uh, commit myself to kind speech even when I'm not feeling so friendly. So that's what I'm going to do, and I'd like everyone to join me. And it's such a gift. So it's, it offers the gift of safety to others. It, um, I feel more at ease with myself I, because I do experience the fruits of whatever I say to myself or to anyone else. That's inevitable. And I didn't like the fruits that I was experiencing when I would say these little, making these little digs. I can have a, I'm a, my astrological chart is I'm a, I'm a Libra, which comes across as very kind and, and well, maybe not, maybe you don't see me that way, but comes across as, as friendly and easy. But I also have uh, what's called a Scorpio rising. And so I can have a, I have a stinger that with just a slight turn of phrase, I can just sting. And they start slipping out when I'm a little tired. And that Scorpio stinger uh, can be mitigated just a little bit with that intention to be kind. To have that moment, hopefully I'm present enough to have that moment of about to where I can somehow remember that I, um, that remember wise speech. And what's wise speech? What are the elements of wise speech? I think this is great for me to hear myself right now. Wise speech. Speak what's true. Speak what's useful. Speak what is kind. Speak what is beneficial. And don't speak frivolously. And... The frivolous part we know eliminates 90% of our speech. <laughs> but very important, the, the, the truth part is wonderful, but truth isn't always useful. And truth, um, when it's not useful, is often unkind. So that's a... That's something to reflect on, and I, th- I would just 
really like everyone to do a hundred days or a whole year of kindness, kind speech. And while you're at it, uh, the other thing that was on my mind, because, and the reason I feel so much passion about this, all of this, is because we do have within our hands the capacity to uh, turn our lives into something uh, joyous. And I was thinking tonight about the power of generosity, how each of us has way, this is such, it's such a liberating, lightning, joyifying force in our hearts that, you know, how the Buddha spoke about generosity. He said if you knew how, how potent it was as a liberating force for the heart, you wouldn't let a single meal pass without sharing it. That we have time, we have energy, we have resources, we have just a smile, a look, a gesture, any, any number of ways that we can offer ourselves generously to practice generosity. And generosity, another seed planted, it's something that gives joy to the giver, gives joy to the receiver. The Buddha described it as the, a joy that, uh, that comes from the thought of being generous, the joy that comes from the act of being generous, the joy that comes from the memory of having been generous. That's not an accident. That comes from planting the seed of generosity. When I started hearing these teachings, I, wasn't, I didn't think of myself as a, as a very generous person. I actually wasn't. I felt more fear around and more hesitation, more me, more mine, more do I have enough. And then taking the teachings to heart, I just started following the impulse. Every time I felt the impulse to, to give, I started acting on it. And it really took off. And now I actually feel this quality of, of dana, of giving, of generosity. And if anything, it's just, it, it just keeps giving. It just keeps giving. This is something we have in the power of our hands. One year of practicing generosity from the beginning to end. Why not? Now, you may have limited resources, so that may not be what you offer. But you have, you've got Buddha nature. Offer your light. Offer your love. Offer your friendship. Whatever it is. doesn't matter. It's not the object. So kindness, generosity, those are the two that were really with me today. Thank you. You don't have to be busy giving. Hopefully I don't come across as busy giving. But it's, it is something that's really natural to us to, to, to be full and to, to share. And the sharing actually fills us. And it's a, it's a vicious, not a vicious, but it's a, it's a self-fulfilling, it's a very fulfilling process. Same as kindness. You practice kindness, you receive kindness. You receive kindness, you practice kindness. So it sounds very simple, but, and the problem isn't the fact that we can't be generous or can't be kind, but we forget. We become self-absorbed. 
we come, become absorbed in our internal drama, in the version of ourselves that's playing in our mind that doesn't have much to do with these non-personal, intrinsic, beautiful qualities that help us really connect with each other. And yet, if we connected with those qualities, those innate qualities, the, even our personality views would start, uh, our self-stories, our, our, our ideas of who we think we are would start to come more into, in line with those uh, universal qualities. We wouldn't feel like we're, we were that one wave that has gotten separated from the ocean. And it's as simple as planting the seeds of those qualities. So any other comments or questions about kindness, of generosity, or anything else about this New Year's um, resolution period? Please, Kirti. Yes. What are some of the ways of practicing self-kindness? When you hear an unkind thought, do you say an un- a kind? Do you say another unkind? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think the f- one of the f- one of the most insidious, most punishing. Um, reactions to seeing all of our um, all of our unwholesome thoughts, all of our ego trips, all of the things that that are uh, in some ways may feel shameful that we don't like about ourselves. The worst thing that you can do is add a second arrow to it saying, you shouldn't have that. You should be different. That just piles on, and it it just becomes uh, compounding. Two, Two things that I find very helpful... Right now I'm thinking of all the different um, ego things that go on. I'm this, I'm above, I'm below, I'm equal, the comparing mind, all the the negative self-talk. Any of you have any of that? It's very easy when you hear the teachings about self-view and how ego becomes such an impediment for our sense of freedom that it's easy to translate that into, I need to get rid of this ego. I need to stamp it out. And the way that I'm going to stamp it out is to, is to punish myself when it shows up. Is to, and all that does is compound. What happens meditatively, how we look at it different meditatively, is we can see that those ego trips that float through our minds have no self you know what I mean by that? 
Whatever that self is that plays through your mind, it's really selfless. It's just a, it's something that just comes. There's nothing really there except thoughts that, pre- that present themselves and then the feelings that are associated with it. Self is selfless. Self is empty. The, so the more you can see your mind just selfing, negative selfing, positive selfing, inflated selfing, diminished selfing, self has no self. It's just a process. It doesn't refer to anyone. Does that make sense? Self does not refer to anyone. It refers to a story of somebody. It's just, it's, a, it's an empty process. So that's the wisdom side of it. It's just see self as self. Don't make it into a problem. It's not a problem when it's seen for what it is. So the more space you get around it by just seeing it for what it is, the easier time you'll have and the less you'll add to it. The way we add to it is by believing it, identifying with it, uh, thinking that's who we really are. And it's really just self empty. It's as empty as the as the the snap of my finger. Where is it now? That self. When you don't look back and you don't look ahead. Where is it? And then what are you right now? Without that. And where are the problems? So that's the wisdom side. The love side is that uh, when you notice that all those shameful things, all that selfing, all that negativity, not only do you uh, notice that, you can't help but not know. You can't help but notice it to some degree. But often we don't really take in the impact on the, our sensitive organism. How truly vulnerable we are. How deeply impacted and hurt we are by the misidentification with those stories. So if you can get the ouch of how that feels it will crack. It will open the heart of compassion. So we always want to drop into the emotional impact. Take that in as well. Don't just notice the story. Notice how that's registering and feel the ouch of it, the the ache of it, the hurt of it. And that that often will bring a little kindness. Last thing, if I see that I'm being unkind, and it's a little bit like replace it with a, a positive thought. I always like, with everything that I see unwholesome, if I'm able to, and if I'm able to remember, I want to put it to good use. I want everything, everything that shows up in my mind to be the reminder of my love of, of being present. So there's no, nothing, if I'm noticing it, I'm, I'm happy. Even if it's, I'm happy I'm noticing it. Because it's, even if it's something horrific that's going through my mind, it has brought me to, to presence. That's why everything is an equal, equal opportunity mindfulness object. But especially that negative self-talk. I, wanted, I want that to be the reminder. I want to put that to good use, to let it be the reminder of my... Um, of my capacity for love and kindness, 
my intention for loving kindness, my intention for, for friendliness. And so every single time I notice that I'm being critical, I want to do, make some kind of gesture. And sometimes the words won't help. And you've probably all heard this before, but I do a lot of heart rubbing. I'll rub my heart. I'll use the, the famous Joseph Goldstein mantra, it's okay, it's okay. I'll treat myself like a kid who needs to be held. And we do. We need to be held. We do not need any more punishment. There's not one person here that benefits by punishment, by self-punishment, by, by even doing what's good for you. We benefit by, by planting the seeds of kindness, period. So I started with that. I think I'll end with that since we've gone way over tonight. Sorry about that. I appreciate you sticking around. I'll just end briefly before I give a little uh, share, before we share the blessings of our practice, share the blessings of satsang. I will, I'd like to remind you through the Portia Nelson story uh, called Autobiography in Five Chapters that that um, even though we plant these seeds, it doesn't all happen at once. Chapter 1. I walk down the street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I fall in. I'm lost. I'm helpless. It's, it isn't my fault. It takes forever to find my way out. Chapter 2. I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I pretend I don't see it. I fall in again. I can't believe I'm in the same place. But it isn't my fault. It still takes a long time to get out. Chapter 3. I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I see it there. I fall in. It's a habit. But my eyes are open. I know where I am. It is my fault. I get out immediately. Chapter 4. I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the road, or the sidewalk. I walk around it. Chapter 5. I walk down a different street. The Bodhisattva version is, I walk down the same street and fill in the hole. (laughs) Anyway, let's just sit quietly for a moment. Never forgetting that quiet is what we need, and what we need is here. As Wendell Berry says, we don't need new earth or heaven, but to be quiet in heart and in eyes clear, what we need is here. So hopefully we're committed to remembering the sense of immediacy and coming out of the tangle of memory and hope, but keeping hopeful and optimistic, appreciating our natural silence, our good hearts, and then dedicating our life, our work, our practice every day to the welfare and benefit of all. And specifically tonight to share the blessings of our time together, the deep wish 
that all beings can find happiness and peace and the causes of happiness and peace increasing every day. That all beings can be free of suffering and the causes of suffering decreasing every day. That all beings can know that sacred happiness that is without sorrow here and now, our natural state, our state, our true home. And finally, a deep wish that all beings can grow in serenity and equanimity, able to meet the joys and the sorrows with balance, open-heartedness, less grasping and aversion to things, to people, to situations near and afar. May all beings be find peace and freedom in 2012. May all beings rest beyond time. for your practice. Just a reminder of the $600 room rental every month, $150 a week. Any help is much appreciated. And then the uh, teachings are offered in the spirit of generosity. And if you feel to, respond with your generosity in the form of support. Basket is always there for both room rental and teaching Donna, teacher Donna. And thanks in advance. And thanks for all of your support over the last year and all the years before. And be kind. Kindness, kindness, kindness.